0: Okay, there's a place to take notes in your bulletin on the inside cover. There's verses there that we're going to look at um, in the middle of the sermon because I just want to set the tone for where we're going with this um, as we get started. Um, And as we start this new series, I want to say that before becoming a pastor, I actually had an extensive career in the working world. Okay, that isn't true of all pastors, but it's true for me. Um, I spent time in office jobs, doing administrative work, doing support work, and then I spent 10 years of my career in sales most of it in the IT sector. Um, I sold global data networks to multinational companies. Okay, so companies with offices all over the world, I would take all of the resources that my company had and try to help companies to connect all their offices together to run applications across their own private network to deal with security, email, all the stuff that you would imagine would need to go on with Computers and technology in connecting offices together, um, I sold solutions to those large companies. Um, and so I have had great work experiences, and I have had awful work experiences. Okay? I have had bosses that I would go to the moon for, and bosses whose very presence caused me to want to rip out my hair. <laughs> um, I've worked for startup companies and for large, well-established companies. And so I can tell you from personal experience that God's perspective on work makes all the difference. God's perspective on work makes all the difference. And so I want to start by talking about frustrations at work. Okay, I know some of you love your jobs. Some of you feel like you don't even work because you love your work so much. It doesn't feel like work. Um, But that's not all of you. And so um, I'm sure that you've never really said anything about your frustrations to anybody about your work, right? I'm sure that all of the conversations you've heard where people complain about work are really just other people talking about their work, right? All right, just kidding. Um, but, you know, this week I did send out that three-minute survey in email um, last week asking our church folks about your frustrations that you experience at work. And if you haven't completed the survey, please do it. Um, if you didn't get the email, it's because you're not on our email list. And if you want to change that so that you can get cool surveys like this one that got sent out this week, use the connection card. Just give us your email. We'll put you on there and I'll send you and make sure you get this, uh, this survey. Um, this survey will help me to apply the series to your real life situations. It'll also help you to make application of this series to your own work life. Okay, so that's a little bit of a commercial for, uh, for the survey. Um, but so what I wanted to do is I wanted to start By summarizing the frustrations that you experience in the workplace. Okay, so these are the frustrations at work. Number one, can you imagine this? On the top of the list of frustrations at work, people. People. People in the company, and then people that you have to deal with outside your company, like customers. Um, You said that your relationships in the workplace can be difficult, debilitating, and draining. Right? Some of you experience a culture in the workplace that is contagiously negative, right? Contagiously negative. Some of you feel like, man, it would be so much better if the people weren't there, cool. or if other people maybe were there and not the ones who are there. Um, the people that we deal with in the company, some of the things you guys deal with is egotism, careerism, greed, and self-promotion among coworkers, right? It's among all these other people that you have to work with, right? You don't struggle with that, but all your coworkers do. I um, you know then some, uh, someone else said, being empathetic and respectful to people but still making sure the work gets done. Right? That tension there. How do you be nice and gracious to people but also responsible to your company to make sure the work gets done? Makes sense. Um, employees who are overwhelmed and so they're not motivated. Someone said relationships are hard with coworkers because I have very little in common with them in their vision for what they work for and the values that they bring to the workplace. Um, And then there's frustrating customers, right? There's frustrations because people don't pay on time because patients lie to me. People say they'll do something, but they don't follow through. Um, Here's another one. Uh, Uncooperative children who don't get along with each other. Different kind of work, right? I mean, this isn't just about the workplace out there. This is also about the workplace in the home. And then there's frustrations with the company, right? Leadership issues. Um, There's no leadership, or leadership doesn't function like a team. There's a lack of streamlined uh, communication about who's responsible for what. Um, There's no support when I have difficult situations with parents or students, right? So there's leadership issues. There's a general lack of communication. I don't know what our clients want because they never really tell us. And then they'll only tell us when we do it wrong. And by that time, major changes are needed and it's often too late to make the customer happy. Um, and then just frustrations with work. Um, a few of you <laughs> are stressed because you have too much work to do. Anybody feel that way? <laughs> um, too much work, Right? There's just so much to do. And so you feel overwhelmed. You get discouraged. You feel like, well, why even try? I can't do it all. I'm going to get beat up for the stuff I don't do. So why not just give up? Um, Someone said, work is so draining that I have no emotional energy to invest in the church or my family. So, yeah, these are big issues. Um, Someone said, well, I feel like my job is fruitless. You know, there's no real point to what I'm doing. The, the outcomes are very intangible. So it's hard to measure. It's hard to feel like I'm accomplishing something. And then frustrations with me. So not me as the pastor, but with me, the person filling out the survey, right? Um, I'm not good at certain aspects of my job. Um, every person that I deal with, every situation I deal with is different. And so customizing a solution is difficult because I'm having to start over every single time. Um, I get distracted easily when I should be working. My own ungrateful heart is my biggest frustration, and then I want to work less and then I want to do a little I want to do more with my family. I want to do more things outside of my work i don 't want to feel like my life is dominated by my work there 's just too much to do. So these are frustrations I think that you all can relate with. Um, and, uh, and I think Christians in the church have all kinds of wrong ways of handling these frustrations. Okay? In trying to speak to these frustrations, Christians say a lot of things that are just wrong. Okay? Some people say, well, work is the curse. Okay? Work is the curse. Have you ever heard that? This idea that, you know what, if sin never entered the world, we wouldn't have to work. You know, work is actually the result of the fall into sin. That's not true. Okay? That's not true. We're going to see biblically that even before the fall into sin, God gave us work to do, okay? Um, and then some people say, you know what? Faith, your, your faith is actually private. It's separate from your work, okay? Your faith is your private thing that you do on your own, so faith doesn't really speak to issues of work because work is public, but your faith is private. Um, so faith is for after work and on the weekends. Um, and then some people say, um, in an effort to try to give you encouragement, hey, you know what? faith and work don't go together because salvation is the end of work. Right? We're not saved by works, we're saved by grace. Jesus worked for you and so your faith means that um, if you're saved, then you just need to remember that the weekend is coming. Okay? Okay? Um, And so we laugh at that because maybe we don't hear people say that too much, although I think we do, but more often what we hear people say is, you know what, like, work is for suffering now. It's sort of God's punishment, but heaven is coming. Heaven is coming. And so this is what happens. For so many people, work is the dark cloud that reigns over their life, haunts them. And what's really frustrating about this is that you spend more time at work than anywhere else in your life. I mean, I think, too, you have more problems at work than anywhere else, except maybe relationships. Maybe relationships are, are, are more challenging. And so, if this is where you spend most of your time, if this is where most of your problems happen, is the sum of God's help yes, work sucks, but it's all your fault? Like, if you have a problem with work, blame Adam and Eve. I mean, is that really the sum of what God's help is to us? The answer is no. Does God offer real help for our work life? The answer to that question is a resounding yes. It's a resounding yes. Yes. This is what the resurrection of Jesus does. It brings the dawn of the sun into this world. So I just want to remind you of this. The resurrection of Jesus is the first dawn of God's new creation. Okay, Easter Sunday was the beginning of a new week. It was the first day of the week of God redeeming and restoring the whole world. Okay, And Romans teaches us this. Romans 13, 11 to 14 says, You know the time. The night is far gone. The day is at hand. So then, let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. And so, Jesus' resurrection is the dawn of the age of heaven breaking into earth. And that sun can rise in your workplace. Okay, the sun can rise in your workplace. And so what my hope is, is that every single one of us and every single one of the people that you know will have a faith and work conversion. Okay? I want you all to have a faith and work conversion um, in order to see God's kingdom come at work your mind needs to be changed. Your heart needs to be renewed. You know, when someone becomes a Christian, we say that they are converted, right? That God accepts them, God forgives them, and their life changes. And they begin to see Jesus in their life. They begin to see God's presence in places where they never saw it before. Um, And the Bible describes this as going from darkness to light, as going from being blind to now seeing, And I want you to experience this kind of conversion in how you think and how you are and how you act in the workplace. Okay? And I think this is specifically a place where your theology really matters. Okay? Your eschatology really matters. Your eschatology, that's the study of the last times, what you think is going to happen in the future right up to the coming of Jesus. So many Christians believe and so many churches teach that Christianity is simply a fire escape from the world, right? That things are going to get worse and worse and worse until Jesus comes and just destroys it all. If that's your thinking, then of course work is meaningless, right? You're just rearranging furniture on the Titanic as it sinks. I mean, I heard a pastor say, if you think that what we're doing to the world is bad sort of speaking to environmentalists. He said, like, hey, all you environmentalists out there, this is what he said. If you think what we're doing to the world is bad, wait till you see what Jesus does to it. So he said, step on the grass and shoot a deer. Animals don't matter. Environmental issues don't matter. Because Jesus is actually going to destroy this world so much worse than what we're doing to it now. That's his theology. It's his eschatology. It's his belief about the end times. And friends, if you believe that, then you're right. Work is irrelevant. Work is relatively meaningless. But that's not the gospel. It's actually not the biblical teaching about the future. The Bible says that God is renewing people and the world. That God loves the world so much that he gave his son. That we're making disciples so that we can renew people who will renew the city. God is bringing the power of the gospel to change people's lives. He has brought the dawn of the resurrection into this world so that the world will be renewed. And this is why our work matters. Um, This is part of God's plan. Um, Our work is part of God's plan to renew the city of San Diego. And so we need to have this conversion, this faith and work conversion to see our work differently. And to have this conversion, we need to learn the Bible's six ways of bringing our faith to work. Right? There are six levels of bringing our faith to work. Okay, There are six levels of how the gospel applies to our work life. There are six levels that can grow our relationship with God in the workplace. Okay, And so this is what our series is going to cover for the next seven weeks. I'm going to give you an overview today. I'm just going to tell you where we're going. And then next week we're going to start with level one, and then do level two, level three, level four, all the way to level six. And so... I played a little game of Family Feud. Actually, I've been playing this game for the last, I mean, really, about 12 years. Um, Family Feud, remember this game? Richard Dawson for the older folks. I hear Steve Harvey is now hosting the the, the newer version. Um, So instead of surveying people, I surveyed the Bible, right? Looked at the entire scriptures, all the verses in the Bible, to try to answer this question. Why did God make you to work? Hey, what is the purpose of work? Why did God make it so that we, so that you would work? And so we got six answers. They're in your bulletin. Uh, We're going to walk through them um, here really quickly and give an overview. God made you to work so that you can be, number one, a provider. A provider. God wants you. Your work makes you a provider. And so this is kind of intuitive, right? Your work gives you money so that you can be a provider for your needs, for your family's needs if you've got one, for the church's needs. Um, and in this, as we'll see next week, there is incredible dignity and affirmation. Okay, You might think this is not a big deal, but next week we're going to see that this is an incredibly enormous deal, that God would call you to be a provider. Okay, Second, God's made you to work so that you can be an artist An artist. What do I mean by that? Well, Dorothy Sayers said that any life that is well lived is a work of art. When you engage with your work with quality, excellence, and integrity, the way that you do your work makes you an artist. Your work matters. The quality of your work, the integrity that you have, turns your work into art, and your work then becomes a reflection on God. It becomes a reflection on God. Third, God made you to work so that you can be a missionary. Okay, God put you in the workplace so that you can interact with people, so that you can show them the gospel of Jesus in what you do, and you can share the gospel of Jesus in what you say. The Bible says that you are an ambassador of Jesus. And the idea here is that God wants you to love the people in your work so much that they would understand and be blessed by your faith. Okay, so your work makes you a a missionary. Fourth, your work makes you a community servant. Okay, your work is the chief way that you serve your community. Okay, so long before you ever serve in a soup kitchen, long before you ever do anything for the homeless, or for sex trafficking, or for the gay community and the ways that we serve as a church, long before you do any of that, you are providing community service through your work. Your work and your company serves the community. And then fifth, your work makes you an image of God. Your work is an image of the work that God does. Okay, we're going to see this. God does what you do. Okay, the work you do actually is an image of the work that God does. And so all legitimate work, all legitimate companies image God in the work that he does. And then last, number six, is that God has made you to work so that you can be a renewer. Okay, we talk about renewing the city through renewed people to the glory of God. Well, God wants you to be a renewer in the workplace. Um, your work can become a platform to improve your job, to improve your profession, your company, or your industry, okay? God wants you to share the renewal that you experience so that you can renew others so that they can do work differently too. So you'll see that there isn't simply one way to look at or one way to answer the question of why God made us to work, okay? It's not one color. It's not one size fits all. It's actually a color wheel, right? We've got six different colors, six different answers to why God has made us work, and it's important to understand that bringing your faith into your workplace is this multicolored approach. And as you think through, and as you meditate, as you as you pray about, and discuss these different areas, these different ways of who you are in the workplace, you're going to see that they connect to each other, right? The more excellent you do your work as an artist, the more of a platform you're going to have to be a missionary, right? So it's stuff like that where these these, these levels go together. Um, and it's important to understand, too, that there are a lot of churches that really only look at faith and work from a single-colored perspective, Okay, there are churches that would say, yeah, you know what? Your work really isn't relevant. The only thing that matters is the check you bring home because you need to send that to me. Yeah. Right? Your check is really about providing, not for your needs, but for my needs, for the church's needs. Okay? There are other churches that say, you know what? The whole purpose of work is so that you can share Jesus with other people. Right? And these single-colored views of work just don't do justice to the rich full-orb teaching of Scripture that we're going to see over the next seven weeks. And we're going to look at each one of these things um, and look at Scriptures that speak to all six of these levels in the future. Uh, But really quickly, I just want you to see here in the beginning of the Bible with the verses that are in your bulletin. um, I just want you to see before the fall into sin, this is where God institutes work, and we're going to see these things. Um, uh, in these verses. So Genesis 1, 26 to 31, and then Genesis two fifteen. Let me read these for us. Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. In Genesis 2.15, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. So this is going to get much clearer each week. But here you can see very clearly that we're made in the image of God, right? That's 126, 127, that we're made in God's image. But in the command to be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion, these are five verbs that actually call us to be providers, artists, and community servants. Okay, and then in Genesis 2.15, the verb to keep, where he says, you put the man in the garden of Eden to work it and to keep it, the verb to keep actually means to protect. That's what that word means. It means to protect. And we don't find out why the garden needs protecting until Genesis 3. Okay? That's why we find out the garden needs protecting. But in this command to keep and protect, we see that our work makes us both missionaries and providers. So all six of these of these levels are seen in these verses and they're much much clearer as we look at the rest of scripture that we'll do in a few weeks uh, in the weeks to come. But so this list, my hope is that this list of six will show you um, that I I guess I really want this list to excite you, that's my hope. My hope is that you'll see this and go, wow, like I had no idea. I hope this kind of blows your mind a little bit and makes you think, wait a sec, whoa, that's a lot of stuff, like I've never thought about this before, man, um, because this isn't just like, hey, here's six steps that if you do this at work tomorrow, life's going to be really different, although that's true. Um, This is my best effort to consolidate every verse that's in the Bible that talks about work, um, to give you a robust theology of work that you will spend the rest of your career living out. Okay? This is kind of one of these foundational series for work for the rest of the history of Harbor City Church, okay? We're never gonna leave these six things as we talk about work. Everything that you could imagine, every problem that you have, every desire that you have, the desires of your hearts to be fulfilled in your workplace all fall under one of these six areas. And so, um, and I hope that as you see this, that this shows your need for a faith and work conversion. I hope that you're excited to dig in more deeply um, as we go uh, in the next few few weeks. And so, here's the other thing that I wanna do, is I want us to work through the layers. Okay, I wanna do something, so these are the six levels. I wanna introduce you to something um, uh, that's really more with the area of layers. Um, So this is the red from the color wheel, right? This is the red that you would see in the color wheel. It's very simple. the color wheel is really just—it's that—it's the basic colors that exist, um, and really, this represents our faith in, at work in God's creative intent. Okay, um, let, let me explain this. Um, from creation, God has called us to work in these six ways. So, from the beginning, God wanted us to provide for ourselves, to be artists, to, in order to, in order to do our work with excellence. Um, to share our faith with others, to build and serve the community, to reflect his image, and to continually improve the way that work is done. Okay, God has made us for that. But it's not that simple, is it? I mean, it's not as simple as simply saying, okay, I'm just going to go to work and provide for myself, right? And my ability to provide is going to make me happy. It's not as simple as saying, you know what, like, I'm going to do my work with the utmost excellence so that I can show how amazing God is. Right? It's not, it's, just, it's more complicated than that. Um, our efforts to want to share our faith with others, it's not simple, is it? It's not easy, is it? I mean, all the frustrations that we deal with, all the problems that we have in the workplace, all the things that we talked about before, um, they are very present with us, and all of our efforts to try to live out these six identities in the workplace, all these ways to try to bring our faith to work, it's not going to be easy. Okay? You will try, and you will struggle in the trying. Now, why is that? Well, it's because this is God's creative design, but we don't simply live in creation. Okay? Okay? Creation is not the sum total of the reality that we live in. Okay, um, and I know that as we walk through like these six areas, as we think about these six things, it could be tempting for us to conclude that work should be a glorious joy. Right, your work should be a place where it's like communion. Right? If God has given you these identities and God is with you in all this place, then man, shouldn't work be fun? Shouldn't work be joyful? Shouldn't work be like completely meaningful and significant and satisfying? And yet it's not. Right? It's not. We deal with pain, we deal with heartache, we deal with people. There are times when work is difficult, there's times when work is boring. And Christians who are wanting to see God in the workplace, Christians who are wanting to bring and embrace these identities, and when they feel like there's pain and anguish in the workplace, they feel like they might be doing something wrong. They feel like, well, gosh, if God says this is what work is all about and this is what I'm supposed to be at work, and it's not working out that way for me at work, maybe there's something wrong with me. Do you ever feel that way? I feel like there's this question, like is it the triumphal Christian work life on the one hand or is it the work of the inescapably frustrated on the other? Right, which is it? Well, I think as with so much in Christianity, these aren't options to choose from, but it's rather it's a tension that we have to manage. Okay, we ignore either side to our own peril. And to manage this tension, that we, we, we need to understand that in the midst of these six levels, in the midst of these six different ways of approaching our faith in the workplace, there are four layers. Okay, there are four layers. And these four layers, you know these four layers. They're the four layers of the gospel, they're the four chapters of the story of the Bible. Right? This is uh, the four chapters. It's creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. Okay. When I said that we don't just live in creation, what I mean is that we also live in the fall. We live not just in a world God created that it's beautiful and wonderful, but we live in a world that's fallen, that's been vandalized by sin, that's been destroyed, that our relationship with God, with people, with the earth itself, has been corrupted. But we also live in the layer of redemption because Jesus has come and has rescued his people from their sins, and he is now restoring us and renewing us. And so this is the Bible in four words. It's the gospel. Um, And it's because we live in these four chapters simultaneously that work can be exciting, frustrating, and hopeful all at the same time. Okay, let me, let me illustrate this. So, <clears throat> back to the red, right? The red on the color wheel. Again, this is red, it's simple, it's bright, and it's functional. Um, I want to show you a different kind of red. Um, this other kind of red is by an artist named Mako Fujimura. This is a Bible that Crossway commissioned to celebrate the 400th anniversary of the King James Bible. They asked Mako to do um, some artwork He is a modern artist, a contemporary artist, um, to illustrate the Gospels. And uh, and this is what Mako did for the Gospel of Mark. You remember this? I've shown this to you before, yeah. Um, So this is Mako's depiction of the Gospel of Mark. And I've heard him describing the process. He calls this spirit flames or water flames. And, uh, and in some ways, when you look at this, this is red, right? Um, but when you compare it to the color wheel, it's a very different kind of red. It's a very different kind of red. And so, um, and I've heard Mako describing the process that he went through to produce this piece. And he said that this piece is made up of 70 layers, 70 layers of paint, And minerals, and the process that he goes through is layer upon layer upon layer. And he said the layers are so important because they create this refractive, prismatic reality that the eye can enjoy. 70 layers. And you can see the difference, can't you? I mean, when I look at Mako's work, his work, it's so far wiser than simply red. It's not just red, but this is something that is layered. Um, Friends, this is what the Bible produces. These are the kinds of people that the Bible wants to produce. Um, When you think about trying to bring your faith to work, you need to bring the truths of God's word through the lenses, through the layers of creation, fall, redemption, and consummation. Okay, because when you do that, that's what produces a multi layered life. That's what produces a wisdom that doesn't overreact or underreact to the issues that you deal with in the workplace. Um, there is a rich texture to this life. Um, black and white, I mean, um, it, it turn into gray, right? It's not just pure red, it, it's, got, it's got layers because not because the truth isn't the truth. But because truth, when it's applied, it's blended with understanding and love. Okay? You still speak the truth, but it's the truth in love. It's truth with grace. Truth and grace are layers. They're textures that help us to understand other people. Right? The Bible gives us these, these layers, these shades, these colors. Um, and when we take creation, fall, redemption, and restoration these four layers of God's story, then our lives become richly textured. Our lives become beautifully layered. Um, We become able to take both the joy and the pain of work and live in them together. Okay, and so when you're frustrated with people at work, um, a red way to look at it would be to go home and just complain to your friends, to your spouse, right? A christian red way to look at it would be just to tell somebody, well, you know what? Works the curse. What do you expect? Um, But the way that Mako's art depiction, the way the Bible would tell us to deal with problems in the workplace with people would be to say, you know what? God actually created us to live in community, God created us so that our relationships would give life to each other. And oh man, you know what? It's the fall into sin that's causing this problem. It's the fall of humanity, and all of us have contributed to that. And so this issue that I have with this person, even if it's not my fault, they're a fellow human being, and they are fallen in the same they are fallen just like I am. Maybe they're fallen in different ways but this gives me understanding for why this person is the way that they are. Like I've had bosses that have made me feel like, man, their success in the workplace was their sole identity and so we could not fail. And when I realize, oh my goodness, wait a second, this is your identity. It doesn't make the pain any less. It doesn't make the suffering any less easy to deal with, but it just reminds me, oh my goodness, what I'm seeing here is someone who is like, you know, it's like a sheep who doesn't have a shepherd. Does that make sense? And so this idea, this layer of the fall, adds color and richness and understanding to us so that we can engage in the workplace and again, not overreact not underreact to the pain and the problems. And then when you add the layer of redemption, and you say, wow, you know what? I used to be this way. Like, my performance used to be everything for me, but Jesus has saved me from that. Jesus has allowed me to let go so that I know that no matter what happens in my work life, God has accepted me. God has forgiven me. I'm a child of the King. And he's given me an inheritance that is secure no matter what happens in my work life. And so I want to work hard, but I don't want to work hard and be undone if I fail because I know that ultimately Jesus has succeeded. And that gives me comfort, it gives me assurance, it gives me security, it helps me to work hard but not push my hard work to force other people to unreasonable limits. And if this has changed me, maybe God might open up a door for me to share this with my boss. So that's where the level of, the redemption level um, can speak in practically, right? So creation, hey, we're made for community. The fall says, gosh, you know, everything has been screwed up by sin, and so I need to have understanding and compassion. And if this person is seeing this as their salvation, wow, like how can I love them in the midst of this and help show them another way? And the restoration layer says, you know what? I can live differently. In the same way that Jesus' character and his, the, the power of his life was able to endure all of this suffering, that power's in me. And he has restored me by the power of his spirit. So you know what? I can absorb more pain than I dish out in the workplace. I don't have to respond with evil when evil is done to me. Um, and this is how the restoration layer really speaks into. Uh, and so, this is what I'm talking about when I say richly textured, multi layered lives. This is what God wants. And so, we're going to look at these six levels, not simply as, hey, here's the scriptures, go out and do it. But every week we're going to talk about one of these levels and we're going to bring it through the layers of creation, fall, redemption, consummation so that you can have both the joy of what God meant for work to be in one hand and the pain of what you're dealing with in the workplace in the other and you bring them together in the cross and the resurrection of Jesus. And this is gospel-centered work. When I look at Mako's art, I can't stop looking at it. I feel like the more time I invest in looking at it, the more I see in it, the more layers there are. I can see the layers, and I can begin to understand, well, the same thing happens for us at work. This is the journey that we are beginning now. This is what we're going to look at over the next seven weeks. So I hope you'll come with me. I think, too, you'll realize that this is exactly what everyone needs. This is what everybody needs. And some of what we're going to look at, some of these layers directly impact everybody if they're Christians or not. Um, some are more specifically Christian than others. and so. But this is a great opportunity to give people a bigger perspective, a more meaningful perspective. And it'll apply to both Christians and non-Christians. So I want to encourage you to invite your friends. Um, but here's what I'd like you to do for this next week. <clears throat> okay, we have seven days between now and diving in deep to the level of what it means to be a provider. And so what I'd like you to do for the next seven days is this. Before you go to work, okay, so ideally at home, when you just get a little bit of time by yourself, um, or if it needs to be, just do it in the car on the way to work or, you know, um, on your way to work. Before you get to work, I want you simply to review this list and pray that God would help you to see these elements in your work. Okay? So just read over this list. And pray. Just say, God, would you help me to remember that I'm a provider? That one's kind of easy, right? But God, would you help me to remember that I'm an artist and show me how the quality of my work makes a difference? Would you show me how I'm a missionary? Would you show me how my work provides a service to our community? Would you show me how I image you? And then would you show me how I can bring renewal to this job? as I do it well. So would you do that for me for seven days? It'll prepare you for next week. The last thing I want to say as we close is uh, I want to tell you just a very short story from Genesis chapter 28. Jacob was on the run. Jacob was in trouble. He had really pissed off his brother, and his brother wanted to kill him. And so he was running for his life. Um, And he got to the edge of the promised land, and he fell asleep, and he grabbed a rock, and he put it under his head, used it as a pillow, don't ask me why. Why? Um, but it says he did that. And when he fell asleep, he had a dream. And in this dream, the heavens opened up and he saw a ladder, right? Jacob's ladder, Genesis 28. That's where it comes from. He saw this ladder starting from earth, ascending into the heavens. And it says the angels were ascending and descending on it. And it says the Lord was at the top of the ladder. And so he has this interaction with God, this incredible renewal of the covenant with God. And, uh, and then he wakes up the next morning. And you remember what he says? He says in Genesis 28, verse 16, he says, Surely the Lord was in this place, and I didn't know it. Friends, I want you to be able to say that about your workplace. Surely the Lord is in this place. He has been here all along, and I just didn't know it. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you for um, the glory of work. Thank you that work did come before the fall, so it's not the result of the curse. Father, we do come with open hearts and with honest, honest hearts saying that work is difficult. Um, we confess Uh, Our own expression of the fall is that we don't think about this stuff. We haven't thought about these things. Um, And so we confess that, Lord, and we pray that you would bring renewal into us. Meet us this week as we go to work. Show us these different levels of seeing you at work and why you want us to work. Do this, Lord, so that we can have hope in the workplace. Do this so that we can honor you and bring you glory with how we work and what we do and how we treat and act toward others. And Father, I pray too that uh, for those who are here and they don't know you yet, I pray that you would help them see that your perspective, not just on work, but on all of life is compelling and inspiring and joy-producing. Lead us this week as we go to work and help us over these next seven weeks to have this conversion, to be able to see your kingdom in the workplace so that we can give you glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.